You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. He's a quiet, confident guy. And um, when you have a receiver that's that's confident and uh, as quiet as a demeanor that he has, you can't help but know that he's going to be successful. You know, I think uh, he's a guy that understands how to play the position and it bodes well for us because we had a guy, you know, we let Adam go and he's probably one of the most uh, unbelievable person that understand understood how to play the position and have a young guy that, that's already started in that direction that understands that how to play the position. Oh, yeah, you Jordan Edison's quiet, all right. He's so quiet that he won't even acknowledge Judd when Judd tries to ask him a question. I'm over it. I'm past it now. I was hurt. <laughs> For a couple of days, I cried, purged my 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 feelings, and now I'm okay. Okay, just want to make sure you're. Yeah, I know. I'm glad you're you asked. Okay here. I'm glad you asked. Uh, this is a live edition of Feedback Friday on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd on the Score North YouTube channel. So yeah, we're gonna go live every Friday, Purple Daily just after ten o'clock, and uh, Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd just after eleven o'clock. So we take all your comments, questions, concerns, critiques. You send them our way. We try to get to as many as we can on these Friday shows. And boys, let's start with uh Kurt Crane here. Kurt Crane. Some good alliteration with our first our first commenter. You briefly touched on a subject a couple weeks ago that I think warrants further discussion for several months now. I've been wondering if there's any way to measure or quantify the economic impact Justin Jefferson is currently having on the Vikings organization, perhaps using Randy Moss as a benchmark. I wonder if it's possible to look at the Minnesota Vikings pre-Moss versus post-Moss as far as fan base growth and popularity within the league. I know Randy changed the game and attracted new Vikings fans, but Jefferson has more charisma. I wonder if Jefferson's impact will be even greater. I live in Ohio, sandwiched between the Bengals and the Browns, and yet I meet more young kids who are Vikings fans simply because of one player with a signature dance move, the gritty. He is a marketing yeah. machine. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, like 1998 was a checkpoint and a gateway for new Vikings fans. Just it, How many people come on and write that down and we ask them, when did you first become a Vikings fan? And they say 1998, when I was 8 years old or 10 years old or whatever it was. So... Do you think Justin Jefferson, with his charisma and his gritty dance and his productivity, could have a similar impact? Um, no, but I don't. But I don't say that with um, disparagement. Justin Jefferson, the league is so much different now, right? Like as far as popularity and players go, that that I totally get the. Oh, thank you very much, EP. Um, which it says Judd is a stud muffin for those of you tuned into the podcast. So I just want you to know that, I mean, a good looking guy like me, um, you know, does join shows like this, but anyway, um, so Justin, Justin Jefferson sells jerseys. And I do think that he is definitely a star of this league. 
But the impact that Moss had, uh, I've always said this, in some ways potentially helped save this franchise. Like they weren't, the last time they didn't sell out a game and it was blacked out, which I don't think can happen now, but back then it could, was the last home game against the Colts of 97. And so Moss, what Moss did for the Vikings, just given the circumstances and time, would be hard to replicate. But Justin Jefferson sells jerseys, is popular. I think he comes off as a better guy than Moss did. But all of that being said, it's just the circumstance of the times that changed this. Because I don't think we're ever going to look back and say, Justin Jefferson saved the Vikings. I think you can look back and say, Moss played a very big role in transitioning the Vikings into the popularity powerhouse yeah. they are now. Yeah. So it's like a different era too. And in, in that, yeah. like the Vikings, the Vikings had a gap between like you, you were kind of talking about this, like the, the set, there's the seventies fans. And then they were, they were a good team in the eighties and nineties, but there was nothing to really like grip you as a fan. So now what you have is you have people that were gripped by Randy Moss's excellence and they, and like, those are still fans. And so are there people out there? Maybe the answer is yes, that aren't really Vikings fans now, or they were like too young for Randy Moss um, that are discovering the Vikings because of Justin Jefferson. I think the answer is yes. I don't know if it's as many as, as followed Randy Moss, but I do, I do think Justin Jefferson is, uh, is definitely, he's like the welcome mat for new Vikings fans. I agree with that. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think he's a very impressionable guy for, for younger kids. And, you know, with the age of TikTok and social media and all this stuff that didn't exist in 98 for Randy, um, there is definitely a collection of, of fans that are going to gravitate towards the Vikings simply because of JJ. I, I think Moss, the only thing that was different with Moss, Moss changed the entire position and how we view it. And I don't think anyone will really change that again, which I think kind of limits and hedges Jefferson's impact. One thing that's changed a lot, though, since then is this sports fan? So in, in 1998, if you loved Moss and like you watched Moss play, you became a Vikings fan. Mm-hmm. The youth of today will become Jefferson fans. It's much more a you, you now glum on to the players themselves. And so if Jefferson, I don't know, it's not going to, to happen, but let's say he got traded, Jefferson fans would just switch teams. In 98, I think you actually adopted the team. I don't know that you adopt teams now. I think you adopt players. Yeah, I, so I agree with that. It's I think, definitely changed. Especially because of on social media, you can follow a team, but you follow players on social right. media. You and play and players are kind of willing to bounce around more, the free agency era and the player movement, player empowerment era. Like so yeah, it's there are a lot of people that are just fans of players. Alexander Lawson chimes in here via the Score North app. Does the number of fans outside of the state of Minnesota surprise you regarding their involvement with your shows? I know that I first fell in love with the Vikings because of Randy Moss when I was seven, and then AP solidified my passion for the Purple. Now Justin Jefferson will draw in more young fans around the country. The Vikings have always had superstar talent to draw in fans from around the globe. But just back to that first part of of, uh, Alex's question. So, yeah, we've been doing Purple Daily now for almost three full years. YouTube podcast. Are you guys surprised and caught off guard about how many fans? I mean, literally, like international. We'll hear from people from all around the world and for sure around the country. Does it surprise you at all? It is the number one thing that has surprised me the most about this entire switch that we have done easily. Um, 
And I've, I always saw, you know, crowds of Vikings fans in Arizona or, you know, the spring training games, you know, fans travel down there well. So, I, yeah, Minnesota sports fans certainly exist outside the state. I had no idea how rampant it is and how hungry they are for this information. I think of all the things that I've, like, taken away from not just the last three years, but honestly since, like, I've graduated college and whatnot, is how many Minnesota Vikings fans specifically are outside of Minnesota. I had no idea there was this untapped amount of people that wanted this type of coverage and attention. And it's been really cool that we've been kind of the ones that have leaned into that and they've also relied on us. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a year and a half ago, the first time we saw Purple Daily hit top 10 on the Apple football podcast charts, like the national football podcast charts. And then, and then it happened like several other times throughout the year. And I think like my, my biggest, first of all, it was like mind blowing for us because wow, this is something that we never thought the show would get to this level. And my first thought was, well, why not a bigger market? Why wouldn't it be like a, why would this be the first team centric show to hit the top 10 football? So why not a giants podcast or Dallas Cowboys or Patriots or something that where you, you're literally pulling from markets that are two, three, four times as big as, but it's not about the market. I was thinking, God, a, a Minnesota's like the 15th market size. There's 14 bigger markets and a bunch of other teams. Why not a Bears podcast? It goes beyond the market. That was my biggest realization, that it's the fans, it's the Vikings fans in Arizona. It's the Vikings fans in Virginia, the Vikings fans in Florida and Georgia. There's so many more of you than I ever thought. I thought Steelers fans traveled well across the country. All these like poser Cowboys fans, right? <laughs> there are so many more Vikings fans around the country than I ever thought before we started doing this show on YouTube every day. And I, I think, too, the Vikings, I feel like have, and look, we all want them to win a Super Bowl, okay? But I, I also feel like the Vikings have almost developed this uh, pre-World Series championship Cubs feeling to them mm -hmm. like a lot of people are just now and 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 you know it's a good franchise but they're they feel the lack of a championship almost feels to draw the community closer if that it makes does. any sense it does it's and it's if you ask cub fans and by the way the cubs have always been my secondary baseball team because my dad's side of the family is from kankakee illinois and i went to cubs games as a kid and so when the Cubs won the World Series, I was very happy in 2016. But if you ask Cubs fans, it's not that they would trade the World Series, but it's like they did lose generations of identity because all they talked about for it was getting, 108 yeah. years was the fact that they haven't won a World Series yeah. since 1908. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So for Vikings fans, and you could say the same thing for Wild fans and Timberwolves fans, but the Wolves, the Wolves have only been around since like, 1988 at least the wild you can trace lineage to if you're a north stars fan you go back to like 1960 so yeah it is it'll be interesting at some point if the vikings rattle off like two super bowl wins in four years right a little mini dynasty which is crazy to think about how will we all change as sports fans i swear to god now boston's always been a little brash and obnoxious but when that town went from never winning anything the Red Sox, 86 years. The Patriots were garbage for like two decades until Tom Brady and Bill Belichick showed up. The Bruins hadn't won anything. You know, um, who am I missing? Uh, the Celtics time. went the through Celtics. a drought in like the 90s, right? Yeah. It was like a 20-year drought. And then all of a sudden, like this new generation starts winning championship after championship. And the personality of that town changed. 
And again, it was oh, yeah. it was more turning the volume up on who they were at their core, but it did change. We'd get haughty too, but in kind of a passive aggressive way, right? We well, we'd still be haughtier than I like now. We have I, I think the key thing now is the Vikings can't even get to a Super Bowl in the last forty years. Yeah, like forget the actual Lombardi Trophy being hoisted. I'm talking about being in the game. Yeah, uh, we got a couple more. Vi- we got some non-Viking stuff we'll get to too. But John Anderson says. I just want to say I'm a big fan of the NFL eliminating the kickoff. Oh, I'm sorry. I am not. I am not okay. a big fan of the NFL eliminating the kickoff. If they do that, what's next? Eliminating the punt return, the three-point stance? You might as well put flags on the players if they're going to eliminate kickoffs. Do you think we're setting a bad precedent by trying to get rid of kickoffs? So the league's um, research says that kickoffs are, have a direct correlation to a concussion problem, okay? Here's what I wish. I wish that if the league wants to do it, just do it. Now, now, would I like to find a different way to actually establish where where the ball is put? Yes, I would. And I think that there are some very creative things that could be done. But um, do I think we're establishing a bad precedent? I think we're establishing a bad precedent by continuing to sort of just tweak it and tweak it and tweak it. And I I think that this might backfire. I think that we might see more squib kicks, and I think that we, we might see short kicks where guys say, screw it, I'm going to return it, bleep the 25. Yeah. So I don't know that this is going to get the desired result, but I do think the sort of passive-aggressive way of trying to phase out something that they want gone is the most annoying thing. Well, they'd be more – by they, it's really Roger Goodell and, like, NFL – medical staff that's seeing the concussion numbers, right? Yeah. The the teams and the coaches and the organizations don't want this. I think it would be jammed down their throats more aggressively if if it was like split. So but first of all, I hate kickoffs. There's only like ten kickoff touchdowns a year anyways. Now the Vikings have had three in the last two years. To me, it's go go to the bathroom, go get a snack, go get a drink out of the now, fridge. You hate them now anyways. though, but not back in the day, right? Where it's just on. I've always hated kickoffs. I've never, <laughs> fat, I've never been excited about kickoffs. Guys would do the wedge, and and guys would bounce no. off them and running starts. Okay, I, all right. I've always been. If if you would have told me at any point in the last twenty years, hey, we're just going to put the ball at the twenty. The, this team scored. Now this team gets the ball at the twenty-five. I would have said, cool, whatever. Let's find out. Right. I don't. I, I don't feel like. I don't feel like football is going to be missing a part of its soul if we get rid of the kickoff. And I also don't think it means that now they're going to start getting rid of like. Stuff in the trenches. What they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to put emphasis on the actual play of the game, and the kickoff has just become kind of a fringe thing. So I don't know. Uh, other people can feel differently, but the old days were fun, very dangerous, but fun. When it, when you had four guys in neck rolls holding yeah. hands and the and wedges, the... yeah, and blowing guys <laughs> up, and guys were starting. Where where would Heath Barwell would start like twenty yards deep and just mm. get a run, and he'd be going. Going down there and that was Chris I, I, Walsh. I didn't Chris Walsh back in the oh, day. Oh God, yeah, great special Just teamers throwing your body because the first guy right. down would basically throw his body into the wedge and try and break up the wedge, and then other guys that's would come in. Wedge. Right? That's what I. That's what I'm saying was sort of enjoyable as a fan, but extremely Boy, dangerous. <laughs> no man. Uh, okay, Chuck Tritton says, "Hey Mackie." What is TJ Hawkinson's blocking grade? Judd keeps saying that TJ is not a blocker, but him coming from Iowa, I think he can block if needed. So I actually have, uh, let me see here, PFF. Yeah, I'll pull that up for you. 
I don't think he's a good. I don't think he's graded as a good blocker. I don't think he is. Okay. He is not supposed to be though. That that's my point. I'm not trying to insult him, but he is never going to be asked to do that primarily. Like I'm not saying he's not asked to block occasionally. I wasn't trying to put him down. I'm saying he's more of a hybrid receiver, and that's what he's best you're at. A, you're a hater. Is what you hater. Want. That's and Oliver, yeah. and Oliver is the guy, Josh. I called him John because I got confused a couple days ago because I'm aging quickly. Oliver is the guy who's now going to serve as as the 12 personnel blocker. Takes that. Yeah, and so, okay, so there were – 84 qualified tight ends in the National Football League last year. 84, according to Pro Football Focus. Josh Oliver was the number two run-blocking tight end yeah. in the yeah. entire league. TJ Hawkinson was, was 40th. He was mm-hmm. just kind of a just kind of a guy. So, but yeah, like that's... You're not asked no, to do it a lot, though, I'm sure. But here's the difference between Hawkinson and some of the top guys. Mark Andrews and George Kittle are also in the top five as run-blocking tight ends. So if you really want to be on that, like George Kittle can do everything. Mark Andrews can do everything. And they, and they go get 1,000 yards. Uh, Kelsey Cole Komet is in the top five or top ten. That's interesting. Travis Kelsey is 28th in run blocking grade. Okay. So not, not a total train wreck. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it, that's a fair criticism of Hawkinson. I don't think it should just be, well, he can't really do it, so... I would say if he wants to be paid like some of these, because that's that's the discussion happening right now with his agent. They'll use that against him too. That's a good point. It's like, hey, you can catch passes, but you know, you want that George Kittle contract. George Kittle will, you know, he'll get in the trenches and move some guys around. So if if you want uh, the eighteen million dollars a year or whatever it is, you might have to do the same or be a Travis Kelsey level receiver where you're going for thirteen hundred yards. So very interesting. Let's shout out our friends over at Power Lodge here before we get to some other feedback on this Feedback Friday. It is Memorial Day weekend. It is lake season. And uh, Power Lodge and Miller Marine, the biggest Bennington dealer in the Twin Cities. Create that next remember when moment on one of these badass Bennington pontoons. Power Lodge locations in Brainerd and Amy and Ramsey and Miller Marine in St. Cloud. I'm jealous just watching this B-roll footage here, Judd. We just call this one thing, throttle therapy. And God knows if you are a sports fan in this town, throttle therapy is extremely important. I mean, this is the time of year when you can get away from it all, right? The Vikings haven't started yet. The the winter teams are off. And you know what you can do on your Bennington? You can tune in the Twins game. Watch the sunset on a gorgeous summer day on the water, listening to the Twins play, and most importantly, absorbing that throttle therapy. PowerLodge.com and MillerMarine.com. It all starts at the Lodge, the Power Lodge. Speaking of the Twins, hey, they're home this weekend. Old Macadac's going to get down to a game, enjoy some nice weather. Twins. Which game are you going to? Uh, hmm? Which oh, game are you going like to? A Twins-Blue Jays game. I don't know. No, I know, but are you going to go Saturday, Sunday? I might join you. I don't know. We might uh, might just hop on a couple scooters and make our way over there. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. No, no I'll let you know. Let okay. me know what day you're going, and then That's maybe okay. we can. Yeah, I'm at the cabin, uh, and plus you guys already have your thing with Royce, so I didn't want to interfere on it. Uh, dude, you live, dude, you live in Wisconsin now, okay? It's over. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you're going to go to a Brewers game this weekend, Dex? I might. I'll be in Wisconsin. I mean, my cat, the cabin's in Wisconsin, so we could, we could maybe do that. 
That's brewers.com uh, slash tickets. No, twin, <laughs> twins.com slash tickets if you want to go and enjoy. I think Target Field's the best bar in America, quite frankly. Just, uh, I love, I, what I love to do is just go get a ticket and bounce around. I'll barely even sit in the seat. I'll just bounce around to oh, yeah. town ball, tavern, whatever. So twins.com slash tickets if you want to get out and see the first place Minnesota Twins. Okay, Steve Schuler chimes in here and says, when Declan says the word three, like when you say three, you hold up three fingers, but your index finger is not one of them. That's odd. Okay, so you hold up. You go pinky. Oh, he's right. I'm with I, you. I do it this, and I do the, the back of the hand, the and, these three oh, fingers. Oh, you guys do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I do three like this. That's interesting. I never even thought From of all that. You know, or you could do, what's the um, Quentin Tarantino movie with Brad Pitt? Glorious, glorious bastards. bastards, where the guy yep. the guy gives himself away by doing the German, or he does, or he doesn't do he does, the German. Yeah, three, he right? does the three where the Germans would have done this three the drinks. Three. Yeah, yeah, that is. A, I watched that on a plane going when I went to Vegas um, a few months ago. Really fun movie to watch on a plane. Uh, that movie is intense, it, man. And uh, also, side note, I experienced like probably one of the worst turbulence of all time over the Rockies into Vegas. And I had two death grips on the handlebars while there was a movie, like, you know, it it, it was the movie theater scene where all these Nazis are getting killed. So it was quite, it was quite the experience for the last 35 (laughs) minutes of me with white knuckles and watching a bunch bunch of Nazis being murdered in a movie theater. The opening 20 minutes of that movie or 15, 20 minutes where it's, it's Christopher Walls, right? I think is the, yeah. So Christopher Walls is in the room with that guy who's hiding a Jewish family in his basement. And Mm. oh my God, it's just like. Have you seen that movie, Judd? We should. I've seen parts of it. I've never seen it's the whole thing. Phenomenal. I don't know if it would be a good one for yeah, Mackie might, and Judd yeah. movie reviews. It's almost yeah, too good. It is way too intense. Good. Yeah. Okay, no, uh, November Sun. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, we now officially have a movie reviews with Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Mm-hmm. We finally went back. We dug out all the old episodes, 87 movie reviews going back three years. Wow. All of them, it's like 75% action movie reviews. So then some rom-com reviews and sports movie reviews, and we're doing them every Friday here too. And so we, you, if you want to go binge them Memorial Day weekend, we've got all 87 available movie reviews with Mackie and Judd anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify. And if you could click the uh, five-star rating button, we can spread the word about those too. So this is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackie and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom. And it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. November Sun says Mackie was pining for Carlos Correa to come and sign the massive contract, and he's been awful. If Cat or Kirk played like Correa, they would really be crucifying him. Well, for one, Judd has been crucifying Correa. Yeah. Number two, be honest, was I pining for Correa to sign? Like, I don't, I don't remember like going no, I, on this show and being like, you need to sign Correa for $35 million. I don't know that that we happened. All, we all agreed that getting him back after uh, the Giants were strike one and the Mets were strike two was a good move. And But we didn't pine for or, like, rip the Twins, I don't recall, when when he technically left, not once but twice. So no. I don't uh, know pining is the right word. 
Now, also, a couple things, too. He's a he's a great defensive shortstop. He's a little banged up. I still think he'll, if he comes back healthy, we'll probably have a hot month and go back to hitting 280 or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know that there's a reason to crucify him yet. But, and for the record, we, we were hard him. on him last year and earlier yeah, this year. Yeah, we ripped him. Carlos Correa also has been on, well, I don't know, it's a little bit of an asterisk, but it's been on championship teams, has been to the World Series multiple times. Like, it's it's a little different, in my opinion, than than Towns and these other jamokes that can't even get past the first round. Slappies. Slappies. Yeah, we need a better a better system for Correa to have a better idea of what's what's coming out of the pitcher's hand, maybe. Yeah. 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 Let's see here. Travis Lee. Travis Lee. Travis Lee says, Hey Judd, did you grow up always blaming people? Always blaming people. I mean, probably. I, I really haven't changed. I think he's criticizing you for like that you're negative or you crit you criticize our teams. He's wondering you know, if that's something you know attribute funny? that you grew up. You know what's up, funny you... about that? This town has become so conditioned to positivity when we did, and Phil can attest to, to this. And I think Declan watched it when we did a live uh, purple daily on Tuesday post OTA session, right? I came back and I raved about what I saw. I raved about the defense. I raved about, I feel yeah. like, I feel like people don't hear that and they just hear me criticize, which by the way is justified as well. But where I feel it's right to praise, I praise, but I'm not going to go Bally's. In fact, you know what? Fire up the Bally sounder. I'm not going to say injuries have really hamstrung the twins. They'll be lucky to win a game this weekend and it's not their fault coming up next. So. Very weird. Um, let's see here. Nate Bohawk says, oh, man, speaking of Bally's, it seems like Dick Bramer hates Trevor Plouffe. Rough listening to him try and interact with Trevor. I'll be honest. I didn't watch enough of the Plouffe I, stuff to really have a strong opinion. How did the – I love the idea. Let's bring in a former twin who's now blowing up yeah. as this digital media star, John Boy. Right, and they they bring him in. So yep. how did it how did it go? Well, first of all, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Plouffe was great. Uh, it gives Justin someone to talk to. So so Morneau and Plouffe basically, I don't want to say they go rogue because they're not being mean about it, but they start to talk about their experiences because get this, they both played major league baseball. Um, I don't. Th- I know what he's saying about Bramer's Bramer's way of going about it. It's more like Bramer has to get his. So instead of just laying out, like you could, lit- he could have literally thrown to breaks. Bramer has or to get not. in. Yeah. Well, but but my point is, like he he's the point guard at that point. It's a great job. He's the point guard. So like if the conversation dies, pick it back up. Get them going. I can watch the game. I do not need you to interrupt Ploof to tell me there is a shallow uh, fly ball to right field. Oh, looks like the second baseman has it. That's two or a long fly ball. Yeah, so Swing I get drive. the point totally. Hate, hate is way too strong. Um, but could he have laid out more and allowed Justin and Trevor just to go without yeah. talking? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I was a little baffled by the, and I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know if it's like how much Bramer has to do, but the, putting Trevor on the field in the camera well and then going to him because so they had him in the booth for at least one of the games but then like having him in the camera well against the angels he he eventually came up to to the booth for portions of all three games 
against the Dodgers, camera well the, the whole time. But what was weird is the Angels, they felt the need to have him on the field at the start and then at the end of games. Because he's going to he's gonna interview a player at the end of the game. But just slap guess, a headset so. on the player. You don't need anyone down there. Those, they, those they jobs send, are ancillary. I think they should do it for inside the NBA. You know how they do for the conference finals. They've got the inside the NBA crew up. They've got him in the arena. Yeah, I think they should send Charles Barkley right down there on the court and just interview, uh, interview Jason Tatum or whoever it is. Yeah, I think, I think there's a there's just like this formulaic way of doing local TV broadcasts in baseball. Baseball's trying so hard to reach younger fans. They're trying to change rules, make the game more fast paced. And I think when you find a guy like Trevor Plouffe, and even I mean, hell, Justin Morneau, I know Pat, I know Royce complains about Morneau sometimes. I like Morneau on the broadcast. I like him as a guy. I covered him, and I think he's got a bright future in this industry. When you find guys like him, who's what is he like in his early forties? I mean, he connects with a younger generation of baseball fans. Plouffe the same way. Plouffe is even younger. I think Plouffe's like thirty five, maybe, maybe Plouffe. like thirty seven. Plouffe's a future star. And is a YouTube and podcast star? Yeah, he's a star. Why are we trying to plug those guys into the old formula that we've been doing for 30 years, right? Let's let's be creative and let's find ways. And so that's why it kind of turned me off that he was just like, we're going to bring Trevor Plouffe on and stuff him in the camera well and go to him right. like three times during a game. Getting him in the booth was great, and I and so I'd like to see more of that. The three-man booths, if done well, are excellent. So more they Trevor own- Plouffe is what I'm voting for. In baseball, they almost should be mandatory in TV. They almost should be. The Mets it's have more a, expensive, though. That's the thing. Yeah, you know what? That ain't my concern. When you file for bankruptcy, it's a little. The tough. two jobs. Well, you know what? Yeah, that good. Good point. Pay your bills, Bally's. Um, the two. <laughs> the two jobs right now that I would love to, to have would be coordinating producer of Bally Sports North and or ESPN's NHL coverage because Dude, okay. both both of them are struggling. And it it drives me crazy to see PK Subban, who I think is a future star, trying to have fun. And you can tell Messier and Chelios, especially. But it's, dude, it's Steve Levy too. It's Steve. Well, I, yes. I, okay, yeah, I no, want to rant about this. I know this is not Judd's hockey show, but I saw a clip. Was it last night or the night before? And they were like wrapping a segment and either going to a game or they were ending their post game. And so you got Steve Levy, very serious Steve Levy. And you've got, uh, who are the other guys? Mark Messier and Chris Chelios. Chelios and they're him. all being very, we're very serious, chiseled hockey analysts. P.K. Subban is literally kneeling on his computer chair and spinning in circles. That was last night, yes. Yeah. He's just like clowning around and having fun. And he's like, whoa, this chair is great. And Steve Levy was mortified. And dude. Chel- and Messier looked at Chelios like, what's this guy doing? He's having fun. Inside yeah. the NBA has given everyone, I get that you can't just hire a bunch of Charles Barkley's. That The hardest part is finding talent that can have fun. But the formula of let the let the Steve Levy, Ernie Johnson be the ringleader who gives you space. It should be about having fun. If somebody starts spinning in a chair, awesome. You know, They should celebrate P.K. Subban, and instead they make him look like, like what's this weirdo doing? Oh, this is uncomfortable. We need to bring it back to hockey analysis. Why are you all wearing suits and holding pens? Exactly. Have that, fun. It's sports. And that note on our screen is exactly right. And this is where Turner is king. TNT's hockey show is fantastic. It, it, it is, and it is the formula of the basketball show, and it completely works. Part of it is Chelios and Messier don't need to be there all the time. Gretzky dips in on t- TNT 
But you know who the star is? Paul Bissonette, who's a yeah. nobody as far as a player goes. But you know what he's really good at? Having fun. Subban has a far bigger name. He has fun. Um, there are so many things, though. When when you watch ESPN, and not to, not to crap on our guy, Greeny, because I actually really like Mike, but um, when you watch the formulaic way that ESPN goes about its studio shows, almost like it's just filler programming, instead of, okay, how can we really make this different and fun? It drives me but Greeny, nuts. But Greeny has created that with Get Up. Get Up is a circus. Yep. Get Up is fun. And they're... It's it, they start the show and like all the producers and camera people are cheering sarcastically and stuff. And it's just this like fun, but then you get down to, but now it's, now it's NBA countdown and we all must be, it's, it's hilarious, dude. Like we're all going to wear suits and hold pens because we are going to take notes. Like what, what is this? This is, <laughs> it's not 1995. Anyways. Um, Let's see. Mr. AD MVP says Phil called the Denver Nuggets a fake one seed. I was hacked. I must have been hacked. I don't remember saying that. I did say that. Yeah, you did. Uh, well, if they get beat, if, if Miami gets in and they get beat by an eight seed in the NBA finals, then we'll find out. But at this point, it looks like a oh, shocker. I may have been wrong about that. Um, Mitch King has another complaint about old Mackadak here. Every single day, Mackie asks every person he can find on Score North about trading Carl Anthony Towns. When Doogie says he just talked to Glenn Taylor and Glenn Taylor said it won't happen, Mackie pouts and tries to rush Doogie past the Wolves topic onto the next topic. <laughs> um, listen, the internet is boiling over with Carl Anthony Towns trade ideas right now. And so it would be wrong of us to not bring those to the table for the sake of reckless speculation. I'm done just with doing him, so. our due diligence. Okay. I'm, I'm done with him. So I'm, uh, he, in my opinion, should be traded. Yeah, so send your angry notes yeah, to Judd, okay? In fact, you you have actually softened it since you, you called him, what, a clown last spring during the Memphis series? About six times in one podcast, yep. yeah. So you've actually softened your stance, and I've just seen it. Well, up. I feel like a bully when I say clown six times in an episode. Well, clown's not, clown clown's not nice. Clown is a very strong term. And clown's a term that should be, okay. be reserved for guys like I'm trying to think of. Oh, Ryan Suter, he's a clown. Clown. <laughs> Yeah, do you have anything to say about Suter's playoff series here? We did on Judd's Hockey Show. Judd's Hockey Show. I'm so sick of him. Okay. And then uh, one more thing here uh, from from Sean T. Actually, this one's presented by our friends at EcoFun. So, and thank you guys for supporting our sponsors because it helps keep the lights on here at Score North, Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd Purple Daily. So EcoFun, boy, it is it is get outside and have fun season. Save $2,000 on the most popular Yamaha R-Max 1000 side-by-sides. And you can save $300 off the total price of a new Yamaha Zuma 125 fuel-injected scooter, side-by-sides, scooters, fun things to get out, electric bikes, EcoFun. Go support our friends at EcoFun. I love this idea from Sean T. What about asking the viewers of the show to send their dog photos in, and you can highlight a couple dogs and dog owners during the live segments on Fridays. The fact that all of you guys love dogs so much is just awesome, and I'm sure a huge segment of the viewership does as well. Do it. I mean, if you guys want to start sending in dog photos, we can, definitely, we can definitely pop them up on Fridays. So who's a good boy? We'll call it who's a good boy. Who eats Nutrisource? Because if you do, you're going to get your picture on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, send them in. Send them into the, the – there's a feedback tab in the Scorner app. That's the best way for you to email 
the show and we'll uh, we'll turn it into a thing on Fridays. Right. We also have another Mackie and Judd movie review, a rom-com rewind oh boy. for you here on this Memorial Day weekend. It's Judd's first viewing of The Notebook in and full. Mine. And maybe Declan's as yeah, well. I, Judd has to finish, man. I got the tissues ready. I'm Judd I'm, has dude. lots of thoughts. Oh, really? Gonna... Start to finish, huh? Curious to talk about it. Okay. So we'll do that. Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd on Score North. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone.